0: Hey, take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. This is the first Sunday of our World Mission Conference, and I'm getting out of the Genesis series because I want to preach today. We were supposed to have Dr. Chuck Lawless with us today, but he's got COVID, and he was coughing up a storm, and we said, it'd probably be best if you stay in North Carolina, but... Pray for Dr. Law, let's pray that he gets well. So I'm pinch hitting today and I hope and pray that the Spirit of God would use me for his glory today. Acts chapter 1, I want to speak to you on unfinished business. Have you noticed how we can get so tied up with the temporal aspects of life that we increasingly find ourselves becoming indifferent to the spiritual aspects of life consider how our time our talents and our treasures are directed to educational pursuits to athletic pursuits to to career pursuits and to pursuits for pleasure are these more important than denying ourselves taking up our cross daily, and following the Lord Jesus Christ? When is the last time that you ask yourself some of these important questions of life? Questions like these. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens when I die? How do I fit into God's big story? And does my faith really matter? Do you ever get the sense that there's some unfinished business in your life? I know I feel sometimes that there's unfinished business in my life. Well, in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Luke wrote these words. He said, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Luke was the author of both the gospel that bears his name and the sequel that we call the book of Acts. He accompanied the Apostle Paul on many of his missionary journeys. In fact, the Apostle Paul called Luke his beloved physician. He addressed both of his books to a man named Theophilus. Now, if you're here today, you can thank your heavenly father that your, your mom and dad did not name you Theophilus. What a name. But do you know what it means? It means lover of God. It's really a great name, lover of God. Evidently, he was a well-known Roman dignitary who had become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his gospel, Luke, who was the only Gentile to write a book of the Bible, Luke clearly emphasized that Jesus finished everything that was required for sinful people like you and me to be saved. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the dead so that we could have the gift of eternal life. He could write... Finished over that part of his business but however there is still some unfinished business that the Lord Jesus must carry out through the local New Testament church that makes up his kingdom are you a true believer the Lord Jesus saved you by his sheer grace and mercy you didn't earn it you didn't deserve it he saved you by grace through faith In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now, when it comes to getting the gospel to our neighbors and the nations, here's the truth that you and I must deal with today. It's a very simple truth, it's three words do your part. Do your part. You, I want you to understand that part of these good works that the Lord has created us for is doing our part in getting the gospel to our neighbors and the nation. Now, what motivated these early disciples to do their part can and should motivate us to do our part. There are three motivating factors that Luke includes in this text, verses 1 through 11 of Acts chapter 1, that I want to share with you today. The first one is this. And it's a big one, the risen Lord. What a motivating factor to get the gospel to our neighbors and the nations. Jesus' disciples had left everything to follow their Lord. They were horrified, absolutely horrified when they saw Jesus arrested, when they saw him being mocked, when he was beaten and when he was crucified at that point they weren't concerned about the unfinished business of God's kingdom you know what they were concerned about they were concerned about protecting their own lives they needed a serious boost of confidence and I'll tell you the God of heaven gave it to them the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 1 of Acts To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now can you imagine for just one moment what it was like for those disciples when they saw their Lord who had been arrested mocked beaten and crucified standing before them speaking to them in his resurrected glorified body can you imagine what that was like for them I'm sure they were stunned well how do we know that Jesus was raised from the dead you might ask you may be a skeptic here today how do you know that Jesus was raised from the dead well the scripture says that he appeared to his disciples for a period of 40 days and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Now God's kingdom is universal. It is eternal, spiritual, and powerful. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And he demands that every true believer submit to his leadership and authority and embrace his kingdom values. By the way, All four Gospels point to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, If eyewitness account mean anything, I'll tell you the fact that Jesus raised from the dead is a fact without doubt. Now consider what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul wrote, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the 12. After that he appeared to more than, listen, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. They've died. Some have died, but some of those who saw the resurrected Christ were still alive when this gospel This uh, epistle of 1 Corinthians was written. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Paul said, I saw the resurrected Lord with my own eyes. John wrote in John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, that tells you something about what they were going through, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Listen to eyewitness accounts. The the radical transformation that occurred in the lives of the, the, the apostles and the explosive growth of the church serve as powerful verification that the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary, was raised from the dead on the third day. And my friend, I'll tell you, he is alive today, and he is seated on heaven's throne. And he's still working. He's still working mightily in the 21st century through local New Testament churches. And he wants to work through Carville First Baptist Church. And trust me, he will finish his business. But here's the question. Here's the question that you have to address. Here's the question that I have to address. Will we do our part? Because we have a part to play in completing the unfinished business of the kingdom and the gospel. We've got a great motivator here, the risen Lord. He's alive. We serve a risen king. But here's the second motivator. Number two, the Spirit's power. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, Luke wrote to Theophilus. And he said, gathering them together, he commanded them, That's the apostles, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now when Jesus connected the kingdom and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the apostles jumped to a conclusion immediately. They said, Lord, is it at this time That God is restoring the kingdom to Israel? They were expecting the millennial kingdom to begin right then and right there. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, hold on, boys. you got to remember, you're not on the planning committee of the kingdom. You're only on the welcoming committee. And you need to keep that in mind. God knows exactly what he's going to do, and he knows exactly when he's going to do it. So Jesus insisted that the disciples wait rather than barge ahead without God's supernatural presence, power, and provision. In the upper room, Jesus had emphasized the importance of the Holy Spirit before he was ever crucified. But here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised the disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. That word power in the Greek, we get our word dynamite from it. We're talking about explosive power. And I'll tell you, that explosive power was available to Peter, James, and John, and all the apostles and all the disciples who were following Christ right there at the very beginning of of the, the church age. And I'll tell you, my friend, that same explosive power is available to every born-again believer within the sound of my voice. You don't have to serve God in your own power, in your own flesh. You can serve God in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. When you do your part, you can do it with His help. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Helper. Aren't you glad that when he ascended back to heaven, he sent to us the Helper, and the Helper, the Holy Spirit, indwells us and makes that explosive power available to us when we share the gospel with our neighbor. When we go on a mission trip, when we give to the world mission offering, that kind of power is available to us. Listen, we just... We got a team that's coming back from Cameroon, probably tomorrow. Uh, Josh and and, and a, a team of believers went to South Asia and they served the Lord. But you know what? They didn't have to serve the Lord in their own power. Our team in Cameroon didn't have to serve the Lord in their own power. Because they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When you were saved, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, releases His power through our lives to do things we never thought we could do. You know what we got to do? Just do your part. Just do your part. We've looked at two motivators so far, the risen Lord and the Spirit's power. Now, I want you to see the third one, and it's the strategic vision. Look at the last part of verse 8 again. The resurrected Lord said, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now these bold and courageous early believers put their lives on the line to take the gospel to the known world of their day. Do you see that word, witnesses, here in verse 8? Do you know that Greek word is translated in English as martyrs, martyrs. These people were willing to die for the cause of Christ. They were willing to lay their life down for the cause of Christ. And many of them in the first century did lay their lives down in the first century. Thomas gave his life in South India for the gospel. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul had his head chopped off. And down from the 1st century now to the 21st century, there are a slew of believers who were willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. They did their part and it cost them dearly. And the gospel penetrated barrier after barrier, nation after nation, until it penetrated the very heart of the capital of the world, Rome itself. It's not God's will for any to perish. But for all to come to repentance, there are over 8 billion people on this planet today. And there are approximately 2.84 billion people who have never even heard the gospel one time. Not one time. I remember Brother Tommy talked to a, a man in South Asia I think he was over 100 years old. And Brother Tommy asked him, have you ever heard of Jesus? And he wasn't being blasphemous or scandalous when he gave his reply. He said, who's that boy? He had had never heard the name Jesus. You see, we've got to do our part We've got to make sure that there's no one in Carnival, no one in the state of Tennessee, no one in the United States of America, no one in North America or any other continent on this planet who will die without hearing the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, watch this video from IMB for just a moment.
1: Yes. We don't see points on a map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the great multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem, lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard to reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief, and we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted, local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. We don't see places on a map, we see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission. This is your mission. And we are reaching the nations together.
0: Can you imagine what it's like to be lost and to have no one looking for you? No one coming to share with you that God loves them. No one sharing with you that Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross for your sins, was raised from the dead so that you could have the gift of eternal life. Can you imagine living your entire life and never hearing that good news? Listen, there's unfinished business in the kingdom. And Jesus is depending upon churches like Collierville First Baptist Church to finish the unfinished business. But again, here's the question. Will you do your part? You see, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have a role to play in making sure the gospel gets to every person on the face of this planet to every neighbor that lives around you, to every friend that you have in school, teenagers. There are three motivators that we've looked at so far, the risen Lord, the Spirit's power, and the strategic vision. Now I want you to look at the fourth motivator, and it's the king's return. Look at verse 9. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up. Remember, Jesus is in his resurrected, glorified body. He's meeting with the disciples for over 40 days, and he is speaking to them about the kingdom. But the day came, day 40, when Jesus was going to ascend back to heaven And when he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. I can just picture the disciples, can't you? They're standing there in stunned amazement. The resurrected, glorified Christ begins to lift off the ground. He goes higher and he's received into the cloud, maybe the Shekinah cloud of God's glory. And then he's gone. And they look to the side and there's two angels. And these angels, these heavenly emissaries, reminded them of what Jesus had taught them during his ministry. Maybe they reminded. Uh, The disciples of Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28, where Jesus said there will be signs in sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth dismay among the nations, in perplexity, at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. All four Gospels point to the coming of Christ, the coming of the King. Paul's letters highlighted the coming of Christ also in Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14. The Bible says, "...for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus." who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. My friend, listen, the king is coming. Did you hear me? The king is coming. We see signs happening all around us. We see the birth pangs that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. They're happening every day. Every day I look at the news on my phone and I see there's more evidence of birth pangs, more signs of the nearness of Christ's coming. He's coming. And he expects his church to finish what he started. Believe me, we are accountable to him. You say, wait, pastor, I'm not going to stand before Jesus in some kind of accountability session. Yes, you are. Whether you like it or not, you are accountable to Jesus. There's a judgment for unbelievers, and there's a judgment for believers, and the judgment for believers is called the bema seat judgment. And that's where the Lord Jesus will judge our faithfulness, our obedience, our willingness to do what he's called us to do, to be who he's called us to be. And we'll be rewarded for our faithfulness and we'll be given responsibilities in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I hope and pray that when I stand before my Lord that he could look at me and he could say, Chuck, You did your part. Did your part. Look, I haven't done everything that I should have done. I haven't shared the gospel like I should have shared the gospel. The one thing that I feel the most guilt about in my life is the fact that I miss opportunities to share the gospel. But I have shared the gospel. I have given to the World Mission offering. I have prayed for the kingdom of God to come and for people all over the world to be saved and enfolded into the kingdom of God. I hope and pray that I hear the Lord Jesus say, Chuck, you did your part. Welcome into the kingdom. That's why you must do your part. See, if I do my part and you do your part, then this church will accomplish what Jesus put us here for at 830 New Bahia Road. He didn't put us here to to uh, to have a beautiful building and have everybody uh, look at the building and say, my goodness, that church has been blessed. No, he put us here to get the gospel to the world. And we got to do our part. You say, but Pastor... I'm past my prime. Listen, there were disciples who died past their prime because they gave the gospel to people. God can use anybody within the sound of my voice to accomplish his, finish, his unfinished business. But we've got to do our part. You know what's interesting about the book of Acts? It has no conclusion. There's no conclusion to the book of Acts. It's just a story, and the story goes on and on, and at the end of of the book of Acts, it just just stops. It just dribbles and stops. Do you know why? It's because God wants us to know that the story is still going on. And when you were saved, you became a part of God's big story, and God wants to use you to finish the unfinished work. And he's giving you the same four motivating factors that he gave the early disciples. The risen Lord, the Spirit's power, the strategic vision, and the King's return. But you might be thinking, well, Pastor, what can I do? Well, you can pray for the fulfillment of the Lord's strategic vision. Pray for it. Not not just once in a while. Make it a regular part of your prayer life. You can give generously and sacrificially to the world mission offering. We're receiving the world mission offering next Sunday. I hope and pray that you pray about ways that you can give generously and sacrificially to the world mission offering so that we can send missionaries all over this world and get the gospel to the unreached people groups of the world. You can give. You can pray. And you can go. Josh Ogden went on his first mission trip first time he'll never be the same I remember when I went on my first mission trip I have never been the same my first mission trip was to Ukraine Ivana Frankis never will forget as long as I live I saw God do some things I'd never seen before. I tell you, when you get out of the local environs of of Collierville, Tennessee, and you begin to go into an unreached part of the world, you see God do things that you don't normally see Him do here. And I tell you, it fires you up. You can go. You say, Well, Pastor, I can't go to Cameroon, I, I can't go to South Asia. You know what you can do? You can go to Sin Relief Center down there in Memphis. You can go across the street and share the gospel with your neighbor. You can minister to poor people and give them the hope of the gospel. Everybody can do something to finish the unfinished work of Jesus. Do your part. Before we conclude today, though, I got to thinking when I was working on this message, I wonder how many people who hear this message has unfinished business with God themselves. Have you turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Do you have peace with God? Are you seeking first his kingdom? Listen. Listen. I want to invite you today to examine your heart. Make sure you're in the faith. Make sure that you're saved. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Make sure that your sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus. Make sure. In just a moment, I'm going to ask, in fact, I'm going to ask our worship team, and our staff to come. And in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And if you are uncertain about your salvation, I want you to come to one of these staff members and just tell them, I need to talk to somebody about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And we'll share the gospel with you. And you can become a new person in Christ today. Or maybe you're here today and you're a believer. And you have let the things of this world worm their way into your life until the things of God have just become not very important to you. And maybe you need to come to the altar and bow the knee to King Jesus and just ask him, to change your heart, to change your priorities, to help you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Maybe you need to come to the altar and just pray for a lost loved one. You've got a lost loved one, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, a friend, a neighbor, a fellow student, and they're lost. Come to the altar and call out their name before the throne of God today and ask God to save them. Ask God how he can use you. Put your yes on the altar today. And say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do my part. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would move with incredible power here this morning. I pray that those who need to be saved, would be saved, that those who need to get right with you would get right with you, that those who have not been doing their part would put their yes on the altar and say, Lord, however you want to use me, use me. Oh, Lord, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.